Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. I'm here to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources to remind you you're not alone. In this episode number 233, I'm chatting with one of my favorite mentors, Sally Clarkson. You are really looking for those women who call you to your best self. And so I would always kind of watch for women, like when I went to church, who seemed to have a sort of, just a, a you know, they, the way they talked, the life they had lived, the things that they did. If I found someone that was uh, older than me or wiser than me or taught the Bible study or whatever, I would just say, it would mean so much to me if we could just get together. I would love to pick your brain. I think that's one of the things that we talk about in the book is that God really wants us to grow, but He really made us to breathe in oxygen of love in our lives in order to be able to grow. It's kind of like water to our souls. So because we moved so much, I had to be very intentional about beginning to look for women who would help me to grow. I think a lot of us know that we quote unquote should be cultivating friendships, but we're either at a loss as to how to do that, or we're exhausted from pouring out to the immediate people in our homes, at our workplaces. And so making time to intentionally invest in those relationships just feels like a luxury. Well, Sally's here today to encourage us in forming our own little girls clubs, whatever that looks like, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, She's moved a lot. She's got advice for you as she's even moved into Oxford recently. We even talk about cultivating relationships with our kids and between our kids. I don't know about you, if y'all have one child that might be a little more challenging than the rest, how to encourage your family to embrace each other as a whole. It's great stuff. Before we get to it, though, I have something to tell you about. Y'all are big fans of Paul David Tripp, and the great news is he's coming on the podcast next week. The other great thing I get to share with you is he's hosting a marriage conference on the weekend of February 8th and 9th. And I know not all of us can hop on an airplane and head to a conference, but because of the magic of the interwebs, you can watch the conference live through buying a streaming license. And if you can't even, if that weekend's busy, you're busy, you can have access to the replay until the end of 2019. So it's great curriculum for your small group or your church, or even as an individual, you as a couple, his habits of a healthy marriage. He's going to be talking through four sessions, uh, how to develop good habits, pull weeds and plant seeds, deal with your differences and protect your marriage with prayer. He and I are going to talk about it a little bit in next week's episode, but I wanted you to know about it in case you wanted to watch it live. If you want to check it out, go to dotmomalone.com forward slash marriage, and that will connect you with the website with more information. Because you're a Don't Mom Alone listener, you can get $5 off using the code 5OFF. Lately, I've been super burdened to help marriages and families with young children, particularly remembering back to my own marriage when we were strained uh, under, I think we had two kids at the time, and we had a come to Jesus moment, and we decided to build in some healthy habits and the fruit that that's brought. Uh, We'll be celebrating 20 years of marriage beginning of March. And I desire this for other marriages personally in our extended family and some of our friends. We've seen this ripping apart that happens uh, when God says the two shall become one flesh. and, And we're seeing this ripping apart of that one flesh and the pain that it brings. I know that the word divorce and singleness can bring a lot of shame and guilt. And that's not the goal in this. Um, I think anyone who's gone through that would hope and pray that other marriages could be strengthened with healthy habits. And so I 
am thankful that I can point you to a resource to help you with that. So check out don'tmomalone.com forward slash marriage. Use that coupon code five off. All right, let's get to my chat with Sally. Here we go. Hey, Sally, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, you're one of my favorite people. I love being on the podcast with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just can't believe when I looked up on Skype that the last time you were on was September of 2017. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll just have to make this we're gonna an, make up a, for it. a yearly affair. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, today I'm so thrilled. We're going to chat about something I was telling you before we got on. In changing the name from God-Centered Mom to Don't Mom Alone, I didn't realize I was causing moms and women to start to wonder and and know, I, I don't want, I don't want a mom alone, but how do I create those relationships? And I need mm-hmm. to help her. And you're one of the first people in my life to say that motherhood could be a ministry, that mm-hmm. being in my home, loving my children that is being a missionary, being a minister of God's grace. I had never heard that before. And two, you were the first person to show me what it was to invite people in, have tea parties, <laughs> love people well. I remember meeting you for the first time and you were like, come to my house. And I thought, okay, well, I would love to. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I never even considered that someone could just invite someone they just <laughs> met to their house. And so you've modeled that well with your own relationships with your children and with others and just this warm, loving um, personality. Mm. And I don't know, as when you were a new mom, was that something that came naturally to you to be uh, friendly and have friends over and foster those relationships? Well, good question. I was, uh, I'm going to go back into my story a little bit, but when I was in college, I was this 10th floor um resident and I had lots of friends and I was involved in many things, but I felt a hole in my life. I thought, you know, I wonder if anybody would ever really know me and love me. And so long story short, someone came to my door, shared Christ with me. But from that moment, um, I started meeting with these young women and uh, they would disciple me and they would mentor me and they would say, now you go do that with other women. And so literally at the beginning of my Christian life, I was taught how to reach out, how to even use my little tiny dorm room as a place for inviting women in. And so when I became a mom, and I became a mom in my um, early 30s, and so it was quite a, a change for me to go from working and living overseas and doing exciting things to suddenly having this precious little one. So I just started uh, groups. I would uh, we've moved 19 times, seven times internationally. It just moved again to overseas. It's kind of I'm spending my year. We call it my army year. I'm away helping Sarah while she finishes her master's, taking care of Lily uh, a couple of times a week, and Clay is at home. So <laughs> we're we're kind of doing the opposite thing, but we're making it work as a family. But um, I've just had to always since I've moved so much. I had to be the one that started uh, things in my home would come on over. Um, Let's have a cup of tea. Let's meet for coffee. Let's do whatever. And so it was something that I started out with and I didn't know any different when I thought that's what it meant to be a Christian was to reach out to women. And did you ever feel, I mean, because you knew it and you'd experienced it, even in those college years, was there a fear of rejection that you felt or stories of times when you did invite and 
people were like, I don't want to do that. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, of course it was. Um, and I think that all of us, I think finding really true, good, deep, godly, kindred spirit friendships is pretty hard. So I, I understand um, people's difficulties because moving so much, and I have um, four very interesting children, they're, I think they're all out of the box, meant that I had to really work hard to find those kindred spirits. But And I do think that we all go through times where we're self-condemning or... We look at our house and we think, oh, nobody would want to come over here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's so many little po- fingers pointing at our hearts that, that maybe discourage us. But I think that the more I realized that other women felt like I did, they felt insecure. They felt like they were failing sometimes. They felt like they were isolated. It helped me to kind of, when I would see somebody, I would try to look beyond their borders and look into their heart and say, I wonder what they're feeling. I wonder what they're carrying. I wonder what they need. And so I could kind of focus on reaching out to their needs and building a bridge that way. And uh, so there's so many things I could say about this, but that's kind of, um, I realized that if I was ever going to have friends, probably I was going to have to reach out because it's rare that somebody comes to me and says, I want to be your friend, and I'm going to have you over and take care of you. (laughs) It is rare. It is really rare. And I think, you know, dealing with our own soul messages and what we're telling ourselves, and they would never want to come over and not even trying Mm -hmm. is one half of it. One half of the battle is just us getting in the way. And then there are times, I know a mom, uh, she signed up to be a podcast club leader. She invited people over uh, I know this because her husband put it on Twitter that she had oh. all these wonderful snacks and no one showed up. Oh, yes. I've had that before many times. <laughs> and so how do you so then there's there's the us getting in the way and then there is the true nobody shows up. And, and in this world of busy and, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a different we keep saying it. Everyone keeps saying it's a different world with social media and busyness and distraction and mm-hmm. our kids social lives trump ours a lot of times and they have more play dates and more activities than I ever remember having when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, even if they want to come, may not show mm-hmm. up. And how do we deal with those feelings and those lies that come in when we're sitting there yeah. with all the snacks in a clean home and no oh, friends? I'm so sorry that happened to her. And uh, I do, I, I'm living, um, like I mentioned a minute ago, a lot in the UK. I'm living in Oxford And a lot of my sweet friends in England tell me that gathering in someone's home is a rarity. And it's oftentimes that they will invite people and no one shows up. Hmm. And um, I think we've got to fight for it, actually. I think uh, we've got to. I I was um, talking with somebody earlier this morning about the whole idea of the word um, hospitable. And it's the same word as hospice, when you care for someone's needs when they're dying, or hospital, when you take care of someone's needs when they're ill. And um, hospitality comes from the whole root word of taking care or considering the needs of someone else. And um, even if it's just one person, I think it's so important to understand that there are, we've got to fight for it because I feel like the home is disappearing, relationships are disappearing, one-on-one is disappearing. And I feel like if if God really wanted us 
to show his love to the world. We've got to keep going and trying to find a way to love women and to care for them just to keep our own souls alive. And like those words, hospice, hospital, it's not when you're doing hospice care, it is not for your own. You know, you're not going to get much back from that person. They are Mm -hmm. passing away. And so Mm -hmm. to have that perspective, I'm pouring out not Mm -hmm. because of you will get something in return. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of good feelings in caring for someone and getting nothing in return. But at the same time, it's that expectation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think, too, that um, it's probably hard for us sometimes because the world is so transient and we don't live in common communities anymore. In other words, we don't have our cousins, our grandmas, our mm-hmm. um, the friends that we've all grown up with around us. And I think sometimes women get used to being isolated when they were never made to be isolated. So you know, whether it's joining a group or a book club or a, or a church Bible study or something to put yourself in the place of other women, then um, at that point, begin putting kind of feelers out and saying, I wonder if there's somebody in this group that seems to have my values, kind of looking for them and then creating an opportunity to build bridges into their life. I think sometimes we just hope friendship will just happen. But with everybody being so busy, I think we have to create ways for inviting people over. I've had Bible studies where I I would go to, you know, be a part of a group with my kids, some kind of school group or church group or whatever. And I would put an email out and I would say, does anyone want to come over and, and study together once a month or, you know, do something fun once a month? And sometimes I would have, you know, maybe one or two people show up. Um, or no people. And other times I would have 50 women, (laughs) you know, it's different in different places. And then out of those women, I would begin praying, God, is there, is there anybody as crazy as me or who kind of seems like a kindred spirit or who helps me at the end of the time or whatever. And it's kind of like starting out big and, and focusing in on finding that person who shares something in common. But every group I've ever had, I've had to start. Mm-hmm. There's wisdom there, you know? Yeah. How do you do it, Heather? How do you? You know, I was thinking about that with this whole 10-year challenge where people are having you go back and find it. Have you seen this? How yes, well you've aged. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking back at pictures and something struck me and, I, and scrolling back. Uh, it was pictures of me with some friends at around a dinner table. I think we were celebrating someone's birthday. And it was friends that I just had dinner with Saturday night. Oh, really? And so I'm thinking, oh, we've been doing this for a decade, more than a decade, because I met them before my oldest was even born. So I thought, wow, what a gift, you know, just to be thankful, thankful Mm -hmm. for friendships that God brought to me after I had moved six times in our first six years of marriage. And then to be here in Dallas and know absolutely no one. And for God to foster that, and then for those friendships to last, I gained some gratitude in that. And those friendships started from a Sunday school class at church, and we all were in a similar season of having new kids and (laughs) doing that process together. And some of us, you know, working outside the home and then staying home and, and going off to different schools. And even though our stories have shifted over the years, we're still remained friends. And so... Mm. 
when women reach out to me, they're like, I moved to a new place. I don't know anyone. I always encourage them to pray Mm -hmm. specifically for that, which sometimes we think is a last resort or why would I pray for that? But women who I've encouraged to do that and they they are faithful to pray have said God's answered that prayer. Mm. And so I would if you're truly in a desperate place and you've done everything that you really feel like you could do and you've maybe joined a mops group or you've tried inviting people over and nothing's really sticking, I would pray. Mm-hmm. I would pray. And I know women who live in places they say there are no believers here. There are truly no believers here. And a Mm -hmm. lot of them are in New Orleans. But what's funny is they're all separately emailing me that there are no believers here. I know. (laughs) And I want to connect them. You know, I don't know where they all are. But yeah, to trust that God can do that. If we're one spirit, he can draw people together. Well, I was, um, my daughter, Sarah, read this um, part of a little post on her Instagram this morning and because she has a new little one. And um, she said in her post, she said, uh, when you have children, go on coffee dates with your baby or children. Take those tiny people on your favorite walks. Keep the music you love singing around the house. Read the tiny people, the poetry and the best picture books. Um, even if they try to just eat the book as a baby. But talk to them, listen to the birth of their thoughts. Now, the reason I'm saying this is she has a picture of herself sitting in a coffee shop looking out on this beautiful building in Oxford. And I realized that this year I moved to Oxford. I didn't know anyone except, of course, my girls. But I started looking at my world and thinking, okay, I'm not going to do well here unless I do all the things I've done before. So... Mm. I found um, this local little uh, organic shop. I mean, this, this this man and his wife, they grow their own vegetables and they have all their own milk. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to make friends with them. I'm going <laughs> to find my, my favorite coffee shop and I'm going to start complimenting the person there. And I start saying, oh, there's the cutest earrings in the world. Or, you know, I'm so grateful for you because I need my caffeine every day. And I, anyway, I have five stores and I thought I'm going to make friends somehow, some way. And so I started talking with them, finding out about their story. Somebody's pregnant with twins at my favorite coffee shop. And over this whole just two months time before I I was there four months this time, I'm going back again. But I started some real friendships with people who are willing to come over now to my house for a cup of coffee. And it started from just doing the normal things. I walk every night, I have to go grocery shopping, I love my caffeine. And sometimes I think it's deciding to go into your life with some rhythms that you've already created. Joy rhythms is what I call them because I really need a lot of stimulation in life to stay alive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I may be the ADHD person that my my son got it from, but I love adventure. So I have to create adventure in my life, in the routines of my life and in the midst of the adventure I'm looking for people to love as I walk out my door. And it's been so much fun. Joy and I have giggled because we keep finding people who are adopting us. Hmm. Because I think that especially where I live, it's not the norm for people to speak to one another and to share their lives together. So it does, it's kind of like a garden, I suppose, that you have to plant seeds, you have to water them, you have to give them time to grow. But I have found that when I kind of have this mentality of uh, one time I was in an airport with my daughter Joy and she said this is hysterical about her she's such an extrovert you know we were standing in line with hundreds of people in a security line 
And she looked out on this huge crowd and she said, oh, my goodness, Mom, just imagine how many friends are just waiting for us in the crowd. (laughs) Yes, I remember my extrovert son, two boys crossed the street in front of us, and he, in total surprise, said, I don't know them. Like, (laughs) how is this possible? There's two boys. They're about my age, and I don't don't know them. Like, I could. This is potential here. Yeah, but I think you bring up a good point for the introvert that's listening. Who is terrified by everything you're saying? Talking Mm -hmm. to a stranger, complimenting their earrings. Can't I just get my coffee and walk out the door? (laughs) Why are we even getting coffee in a public place? Let's that's like stealing from my life. You know, there's a lot of energy expulsion Mm -hmm. if you are an introvert and trying to foster these relationships. And is Sarah more the introvert? Sarah is extremely introverted. So how does she manage this in friendships with she's going to school and new mom, new place? I think that it helps that uh, her husband's also an introvert, but they're both, um, they've kind of given their lives over to ministry. But uh, Sarah has done it by inviting instead of groups of people. She, you know, I think that one of the things I would say to moms is create the gift of hospitality in your home. Be hospitable to your children. They will become your best friends, but also they will pick up on it, even if they're introverts or extroverts, because our little goal and our, you know, what we did every day as a family, uh, we would light a candle, put on some music and have at least one 15 minute cup of tea every afternoon. So Sarah has, uh, because she is extremely intellectual and she is idealistic, uh, she's begun to look for women who share some of her ideals, but she invites them over one person at a time. Hmm. And she's invited over um, her professor. She's invited over um, different women who are also studying. She's invited over single women, married women. But because she's lived in Oxford for several years, she now has a host of women that she puts on her calendar to invite over once every two months. So that like there are six different women that she has over to her house for a cup of tea Every two months. In other words, you know, you, you go on a rotation. Yeah. So she'll yeah. see them. OK. Yeah. yeah. And they have just loved her and responded to her. And of course, not every friendship is the same. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to kind of um, it, we wrote about this in our book, Girls Club. You are really looking for those women who call you to your best self. Mm. And so I would always kind of watch for women like when I went to church who seem to have a sort of um, just a, a, you know, the way they talked, the life they had lived, the things that they did. If I found someone that was uh, older than me or wiser than me or taught the Bible study or whatever, I would just say, it would mean so much to me if we could just get together. I would love to pick your brain. And um, I think that's one of the things that we talk about in the book is that God really wants us to grow, but he really made us to breathe in oxygen of love in our lives in order to be able to grow. It's kind of like water to our souls. And so because we moved so much, I had to be very intentional about beginning to look for women who would help me to grow. Hmm. And um, and that's why when I met you, I invited you to my home. <laughs> I met a lot of people at the conference you and I went to, and I thought, I just want to love them and encourage them. And that was an attitude developed over years. Hmm. And um, I still get my feelings hurt. I still feel, 
like a pariah sometimes to people, like I'm separate than they are. But because I have cultivated this over the years, I have so many national friends. Maybe we've moved away from each other, but I make it a goal to put them in my calendar to call them or Skype them and say, okay, let's both have a cup of tea right now. And a lot of the deep friendships that I am blessed by, I do over long distance. Mm. That's all so helpful. And I think even considering, like you mentioned, a mentor who doesn't have to be necessarily a lot older than us, but someone we look up to and that can help us grow in a specific area, having that confidence to be intentional and say, hey, would you meet with me? It doesn't have to be this long-term commitment, but just meet with me once, you know, yeah. uh, that takes confidence and courage. But in the long run, it we benefit, they benefit. What other tips do you have for kind of fostering that mentor friendship? Uh, well, you know, it, I think that sometimes if you really cultivate a friendship with somebody who's already in ministry, people who are oftentimes given to ministry or given to doing a podcast or given to reaching out, their heart is already kind of formed by their desire to reach out to people. Because I think that that's a a part of our maturity that when we love God, he says, love people. And so I would always look for people in ministry. And I know when I moved here, I had always heard of this woman, because she had been a missionary overseas, like I had been. And she lived in the area and she loved Austria like I loved Austria. And I knew that she was very, very, very busy. But I just wrote her a little note and I said, you know, I would just love to find out together of some of the places that we both love. And I invited her to my home and I, you know, had little flowers and made a cup of tea and uh, she came. I was so surprised. And I said, I'm just so honored that you would come over. And she ended up becoming one of my best friends. She's about 15 years older than I am and quite mature. And she said, you know, I have things at my house every week. I have people to my home for dinner. I have people to my home for breakfast. And she said, in the last year, you are the only one who's asked me out. Hmm. You're the only one who asked me over. And she said, I just feel so taken care of today. Hmm. And so sometimes I think that the people that you might just assume are so busy and so taken care of, they might be the very ones who might want to come to your house. I know that um, we kind of live the same kind of life. People assume that we're busy and we are all very busy and we can't include everything. But when someone invites us over to their house for dinner, we all sing hallelujah because (laughs) (laughs) we love it when someone else cooks and when somebody else uh, considers us and takes care of us. And so sometimes it's a perception issue. You think that people wouldn't be interested in you or that maybe they're busier than you are. But sometimes leaders or people who give a lot are the very people. And sometimes they'll say no, you know, but, um, I think that I realized that we had created such a heritage of moving all the time. I just wanted my children to feel like we had friends. So I would go to great lengths to try to bring people into our home so that they wouldn't feel the loneliness that you feel when you move a lot. I was actually going to bring up that whole topic of even for the extrovert who can have a lot of friends but feel very alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Even that false connection of social media that we can have a lot of maybe interactions online, but feel very isolated. And so, 
you answered that before I even asked it. So thank oh. you <laughs> for addressing that. Not assuming because that person's really quote unquote popular or mm-hmm. um, has a platform quote unquote or a huge ministry that they are getting all of their needs met uh, mm-hmm. in friendships. So I, th- I think that's that is really good encouragement. I, you also brought up something I want to talk about with cultivating friendships in our kids. I think for me mm-hmm. personally, I've struggled with knowing how to manage this. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, years ago it was, I just have babies and toddlers and I don't have the energy to coordinate all the play dates and have more kids over. If someone invites mine, I'll say yes, but I'm not putting a lot of energy into inviting kids over. And we didn't live close to a lot of this boy's school friends. And then there was the season of my dad being sick, my mom being sick and just mm-hmm, recovering mm-hmm. from that. So we didn't really do a lot of social. And now I'm realizing, oh, my goodness, I've kind of missed the boat with some of my kids that their friends are all getting together and their their moms are used to communicating playdates. And we aren't really included in that. And I'm partly it's my I haven't reached out. I haven't invited um, yeah, and you can't sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you are so exhausted for years at a time that you think, oh, I'm just barely making it today. <laughs> Did you find that? I I kind of wonder, is that a need that the society is telling me I need to fill? Because I've also noticed that my seventh grader, who really didn't have a lot of playdates in the elementary years, is now finding a nice social group of friends, boys that I really am thankful he has friendships with. And that's just happened and it feels appropriate for him to have friendships outside the home at this age. And maybe I didn't need to worry about having those when he was in elementary years. Was that Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. No, it's not necessary. I think that people are neurotic and they read the internet (laughs) and the internet says, do this, do that. And it puts so much pressure on a mom. And um, a lot of people have, because I'm online a lot and I write books and stuff and they know my kids, uh, they've said, how did you become such good friends with your children? And I think one of the reasons is because we were all so lonely for so many years <laughs> <laughs> from all the moves that we became each other's best friends. We did everything together uh, in the sense of I, I think that uh, actually I was talking with Joy about this last night as we've, we've observed a lot of uh, young adults. You know, my children are from uh, 23 to 35 and I call all of them young adults. So a lot of a lot of them are my best friends. Um, I love my kids and their friends. But we found that a lot of them don't feel close to their parents, and are going through faith crises or you know difficulties in their marriage or difficulties with finances or whatever. And uh, I think that it's so profoundly important. And we talked about this in our book a lot. There's we have a lot in there about loneliness about what it looks like to cultivate community when you feel like there's no one interested and because we have experienced all those things. But what I was going to say is I kind of created rhythms in our week when they were kids so that we would all have fun things to look forward to together. Like I said, I had in the afternoons, uh, whether they were in classes or whether in my we had a regular, Oh, let's all, you know, have some, some form of a suite and a tea time. And the tea time just means, carving out the time and saying we will be civilized and have fun and talk right now Uh, even if it's 15 minutes a day but not everyone can do that every day we couldn't when they got older but we still do it every day when anybody's in the house but we also did movie nights we did pizza nights once a week with a movie 
we had Sunday afternoon tea times, and we we did the uh, we ate dinner together. I wrote a book about that. But as I look back, the kids became so used to being to talking with each other, sharing about their day, playing games together, doing things on a regular basis, even though we all had very busy lives, so that they became each other's best friends, and they became my best friends. And so I think extending hospitality and honor and enjoyment of your children. I think sometimes women try so hard to control their lives and to they don't accept the personalities of their children. They're trying to make them conform to perfection or something. And I just loved who they were as they were. I knew I'd never be able to control them. I honored them as human beings because I felt like I wanted them to honor me. Wouldn't I honor them and listen to them? And and so I think that one of the best places to build your own best friend for life is to really cultivate the rhythms in your home, washing the dishes together. You know, we had a lot of people in our home and we would all do the cooking, do the, um, you know, you answer the door, you ask them a question, you do whatever. But I've noticed that even this year, um, Nathan was in New York City and he lives a very full life as an actor and a movie producer and he writes books. And then Joel was in Scotland and he's there as a musician and also getting his PhD. And both of them within two days wrote me and said, I'm so homesick. And I, knowing that they had been very busy with friends and everything, I said, what are you all homesick for? And they both said, I just want to be with my people and sit around the table and giggle and laugh and eat a lot of food and have fun because I just want to come home to the haven that we all had together. So I think that kind of like Sarah was saying this morning, if you can create a place for yourself where you can even enjoy your friends who are your children, long term, that creates a legacy of such closeness. And you have to free them to become who God made them to be. Nobody in a friendship wants to be controlled. Right. So this isn't like you're not fostering like a codependency that they can't, you can't be happy if they're not happy and oh, they no, can't no, go no. and do their things because obviously all your kids are in different cities and doing different things. But a, a kindred spirit, almost like a foundation to launch from is what you're fostering. I, I think what we were talking about last night is that we have some, um, prodigals in our lives that are, you know, wonderful children that are children of friends of ours. And we also have some people doubting their faith and doing this and that and the other, and they keep coming to us and Mm. they keep saying to us, I'm afraid if I tell my parents what I really think they would reject me. Mm. And so I think that I'm talking about the opposite of codependency. I'm talking about looking at the little group that God has given you as a family and saying, we are a people, we're a club, we are here, let's enjoy one another. And I can't wait to see what you become in the world. And you're one of my favorite people. And I see these strengths in you. And I think God's going to use you in his kingdom. And and then you let them go and you provide opportunities for them to grow. But uh, it's fun for me to see that when you create an environment of believing forward into your children and who they are and what they can do, that they can go into the world and they can still be close to you and you can be their best friends. Did any of your kiddos, you know, the two boys, the two girls, I know Joy's a lot younger, but did they 
have such different personalities, and Joe and Sarah are very different, that mm-hmm. they clashed when they were little, and now of you've seen it come around. To give encouragement <laughs> to the mom who's like, best friends, my kids can't even be in the same room without fighting. Or I say to my boys, you're going to be forever friends. Like, I, you don't yeah. have to, like, maybe you have other friends that you enjoy more, but this is your person forever. Like, blood. It's re- that's exactly it. And no, I mean, you know, I have my Nathan out-of-the-box child who... And now I realize, okay, oh, he was a debater. He was a thinker. That's why he argued every moment of his life. Um, Yeah, I mean, every night at the dinner table, he was arguing. And, uh, you know, I would just say, you you guys, and one time I remember Joy came to me and she said, do we have to talk about all the teenage stuff again tonight? Or can (laughs) we just eat the food? And um, no, I think that the making of friends, whether it's another woman, whether it's your children, it's a messy process and it takes time. But um, it's the rhythms of celebrating uh, people and, you know, oh, that group didn't work. You know, let's have another one. I mean, we have spent many times, I hate to tell you this, criticizing people after they left. Not, (laughs) it's it's not our general thing to criticize people, but what I'm saying is it doesn't always work. It doesn't always mesh. It's not always like this beautiful experience, but you keep going anyway. Yeah, because um, I don't know. I think, again, I go all the way back to when I was a freshman in college and became a Christian. And I was just taught that Jesus wanted us to go out into the world and love people. And so there are times that's why it's great to to cultivate an inner circle with your family, because they will become your comforters and they will become the people who understand. Because I think what I didn't know is by working and shaping the rhythms, being intentional to love them, being intentional to pray with them every night before they went to bed, even if it was the one o'clock teenager in the morning, you know, um, and my eyes are closing and they still, (laughs) mom, can I tell you my secrets now? And I think, can you not just tell me secrets in a normal time of day? <laughs> Can we arrange this for 3 p.m.? Yeah. I'm very because, awake then. Yeah, because Joy's going to get up at 6, and yeah. she's going to talk to me. But it's really just focusing on what I call good relationship principles, which is building a foundation with whoever you want to relate to with unconditional love, speaking words of affirmation in their lives. Jesus said, Peter, you're the rock, and Thomas, you're the man in whom there's no guile. And so I would say, uh, I love how you're such an extrovert and you reach out to people, or, you know, I see you dreaming great things in your time alone or whatever. So speaking kind and forward-thinking words, speaking forward in their lives, doing something that's fun or interesting. You know, I, I would take, when my kids became teenagers and we were lonely in a city, we planned this very rigorous uh kind of national trip where we went to a lot of places that we thought would be fun, Washington, D.C. and um, New York City and stuff. And they all worked. They had these Mom's Day outs where they would um, charge women $35 for a half a day, $50 for a whole day, and they would do crafts. And they would read to them and they would do night and shining armor things. They all earned $1,000 by doing these Mom's Days outs. And then we went on this these great trips. We did it four years in a row because I felt like my teenagers needed a bigger life than just being lonely in a new town again. Mm. So we kind of created life, and the and the girls write about that a lot in their new book, Girls Club. Um, but we tried to create life because I knew that my children needed life. 
so reaching out and doing these things, it takes a long time. And it's kind of like the Velveteen Rabbit. You'll be bald and, <laughs> and <laughs> worn out at the end of it. But you will have a legacy of relationships if you continue to cultivate life in such a way that relationships can be formed. When I think back to what you were saying about, you know, the perfectionist mentality, and I've had, I have these seasons very often where there's just this control that rises up in me. And why can't you be like this? And, and the lack of grace and, and the, the conditions that I place, it actually causes them to not give me grace and it causes them to criticize so me. And, and I've seen it even in other relationships with adult friends of mine who don't give their parents grace because I don't think those parents showed them that grace. And so there isn't that mutual understanding of we make mistakes. It's okay. um, We can get over them. It's more of a critical relationship instead of an embracing soft place to land. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think even in the younger years, establishing that, not trying to keep up with the Joneses and being perfect and Instagram ready every second, but to love who they are as wacky and... (laughs) We have several that keep me keep me on my toes a lot. On your toes. <laughs> well, I love the verse that says, where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. And because I had six oxen in my home every night, so <laughs> my stall wasn't clean. But no, going back to the, like, I didn't think Joel and Nathan would ever get along, ever, mm-hmm, ever, mm-hmm, ever, mm-hmm. because they were so opposite. And Joy and Sarah were 11 years apart, so they didn't have quite the competition that my boys did. But, um, you know, I, I love I just I'll be sitting around the house and they'll be uh, texting each other or giggling at each other from cities far away. And we always had this rule that you had to settle your disagreements before you go to bed, period. And we you know, we have this I learned this from a friend of peacemaking couch. You have your kids sit on the couch and say so you can't leave the couch until you have asked for forgiveness, confessed your sin, and prayed with one another. In other words, <laughs> um, you know, we really want you every night to go to bed knowing that no matter what, you got to love each other. Even if you don't always like each other, we are going to be committed to loving each other. So it kind of created a legacy of even when other people can criticize our family, which we have a lot you could criticize, all the kids are loyal to each other. I can't believe they said that about you. You're the best person in the world. Mm-hmm. But it took... It took a lifetime, but <laughs> <laughs> but I see that all of those, no, not this, this, yeah. no, not this, this, those decisions to cultivate, to work at. And of course, in the midst of it, you still have really fun times as well as really, oh my gosh, I need to get away from these kids times. But it's building for you a depth of friendship that is so deeply gratifying. And I haven't really shared this testimony on the podcast, but I think it fits here with all that what happened in our home and just the tragedy and the grief and me not being myself and my mom living with us and just having um, a different way of managing the kids that right. we just kind of had a tone of criticism in our home and mm-hmm. arguing and lack of grace. And I reached out to um, some parenting coaches, Jim and Lynn Jackson, that listeners know, Uh, Mm -hmm. And she just said, this is a barge. (laughs) You're going to have to turn this barge and it's going to turn slowly. Mm -hmm. But focusing on what's going well, uh, shifting that negative to a more positive conversation, connecting. And we actually just took a big vacation with the six of us. And Bruce and I are noticing the barge has turned. The barge is 
is going more towards the positive. There's still moments, of course, of conflict and hurt feelings, but I'm hearing more laughter. I'm hearing more connection. I'm, I'm seeing more connection. I'm seeing two brothers that would be at each other's throat, assuming the worst, actually having a civilized conversation about football. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's hope that I have. And so just if you're in a place, if you're listening and your, your kids, you just, you don't love where they are and how you're interacting with them or how they're interacting with each other to know that it's not always going to have to be that way, that, that with some intention and with some time and some shared experiences that are positive, that barge can turn um, Mm -hmm. and those friendships can form. And so, well, and I would even just add to that. um, Many people know that my son, Nathan, because he wrote a book with me called different, the story of an out of the box boy and the mom who loved him. He was ADHD, ODD, OD, uh, (laughs) oh my goodness. All the letters, yes. Yeah, I mean, he had, I think, he said, Mom, I think I have every letter that there is. Mm -hmm. And I used to wonder, is my family going to be okay? Are my kids going to be normal? Because we always have conflict in our house every single day. Yet I, I used to say to my kids, if it's God's will for me to have Nathan, it's God's will for you for me to have Nathan. Mm. And um, so we were kind of a one for all and all for one. And so we shaped their lives on we're going to work at this. This is our family together. And we're going to choose to try to build a foundation of loving one another. So all all of you who are in the thick of it and think no one is listening to you, I felt like that so often. But I feel like by us having difficulties in our lives, my kids are a lot more strong, a lot more mature, a lot more easygoing than maybe kids who've had every single one of their needs met. Hmm. Because it was impossible for me to meet all of their needs when we had so many issues bubbling up all the time. And they learned to grow up and they learned to grow strong. And so I think that if you can just figure out a way to find a way to be faithful where you are, it really will reap a reward. It'll be great. So that's good. Yeah. Wherever we are, sometimes we project out. It's always going to be this way. It's always yeah. going to be, or we have ruined my children. How many times have we thought I've oh, ruined my children? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sally, you're such a joy to chat with so much wisdom and encouragement and I know y'all are going to check out her newest book, Girls Club, that she wrote with her girls, Join Sarah. And um, just thank you for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Well, I always love being with you, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that this is the best year for you. (laughs) Oh, it's it's turning. I already see it. So thank you so much. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community. Uh, Just last week, I noticed how many of you were sharing the episodes with your friends, tagging them on Instagram posts and Facebook. You don't want them to mom alone, and I so appreciate the relationships and the friendships I'm seeing cultivated. Uh, I want you to know two resources that our community offers in case you were looking to take some steps to build relationships. One is our Don't Mom Alone podcast clubs. It's kind of like a book club, but instead of reading books, which I know a lot of us moms don't have time to do, y'all remind me. You're like the stack of books I get from all of your great episodes. Anyway. So this is another option. You listen to the podcast on your own time, and then you gather together with friends as frequently as y'all decide, wherever y'all decide, with kids, without kids. Some of you are using this for church small groups, and you get together and you discuss it. And I offer the discussion questions. My VA, Sarah Jane, she writes great questions, and we've put a lot of them in PDFs that are available on the site. Uh, We have a Facebook group where we encourage each other. 
some of the podcast club leaders are helping me create a guide to help you get started. So we're working on that right now. But if you're curious, just go to don'tmomalone.com and you'll see a button that says join. uh, And that gives you those two options and just click the Don't Mom Alone podcast button. Uh, The other option that you'll see when you hit join is the Not Alone community. And that's a newer thing that I've been offering uh, this year. And it's a place where uh, maybe you're in a community where you don't have face-to-face friendships and you're truly looking to connect with other women. Well, we are offering this Not Alone community where every month I release a new growth guide where I've found past podcast episodes on a specific topic. This month, February, it's on Calm Response Growth Guide. So a lot of episodes on anger, since that's a personal struggle for me. I'm going to have a live video chat the end of the month, and we'll talk about anger. We have different groups where people are talking. Um, We're just getting started. So those uh, are just getting started too. But if you want to check that out, I just want to support you in this. I have tried (laughs) doing the mom thing alone and it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder and and it it requires vulnerability on my part, but I want to support you in that. Thanks y'all for joining me today. Next week, Paul David Tripp, And we have Marissa Henley coming on talking about how to love your friend who's walking through a cancer diagnosis. It's another friendship episode. Lastly, shout out to those of you who left iTunes reviews. I saw them. I thank you. Uh, I think last week's episode was in the top three uh, kids and family episodes. That's all because of y'all and sharing the show and uh, reviewing the show so other moms can find it and not mom alone. It's a huge blessing. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me your time today. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.